It's always good to have a familiar face, and it's good to be welcomed home. <laughs> I tell you, I was excited this morning. You know, hearing about your project to reach the people around this church by passing out the uh, Steps to Christ. Excellent, excellent. So many places where I go, I hear people wanting to pass out the great controversy. Oh, oh. You see, I learned a very valuable lesson a, a little while ago. We were with our church camp out, and I was talking to the lady up at the front gate, entrance gate, and somehow, I, I don't know why or how I mentioned that I was a retired Seventh-day Adventist pastor. <gasps> she lit up. I'm reading one of your books. Uh, the, 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 the. I said, The Great Controversy? Yeah. I said, oh, I wish you'd have read Desire of Ages first. I did! That's the most wonderful book. It tells all the love of Jesus. It shows how kind he was to everybody. And I thought, man, right on. Folk, get great controversy out. But first, get out Desire of Ages. You see, there's nothing more important than getting people to fall in love with Jesus. And if you've fallen in love with Jesus, I'm not worried about anything because you'll follow Jesus wherever he leads. Hallelujah. I love the singing. And thank you, sister, for the piano playing. You see, it was mentioned that my wife and I have had the privilege of serving overseas. We started down in the island of Dominica, helping rebuild after a hurricane. That was just a short-term, two-week assignment. But then some years later, we were invited to go to Sudan. Now, are there any Sudanese here? Oh, I'm, I'm disappointed. <laughs> because we fell in love with the Sudanese people. Their government stinks to high heaven. But the people themselves are some of the, well, they're God's children. They are lovely, lovely people. Well, from there, we were called down to the Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire. And I was asked to be the ADRA director for Liberia. Anybody know where Liberia is? Yeah. It's an interesting thing that we should be celebrating Black History Month and Liberia is a, an important part of that history. It's the only country that speaks English in that part of Africa. Now you have to listen kind of carefully because they picked up a little bit from the French around them and so it's not 
but I'm used to Southern California English. But it was English. And in, it was interesting, you could go into the market and you could buy Hellman's mayonnaise. Wow. Yes, they've, they've kept their American connections. And so much of what they do, in fact, their flag even resembles. And it, it, was, it was such a blessing to be there. And to hear you sing this morning brought back memories. The most memorable Sabbath in my life was in Monrovia, Liberia. Now, you have to understand a little bit. This was just after the Civil War. And we lived in Ivory Coast because the powers that be didn't feel that it would be safe for my wife and I to live in Liberia. Because, you see, when we traveled into Liberia, we had 34 different checkpoints between the border and the capital where there were little boys 10, 12 years old with machine guns. And what were they looking for? Anything they could get their hands on, especially money. Now, at that time, Liberia's largest denomination bill was a $5 bill. I was carrying $20,000 US equivalent in my briefcase. Never once did I lose a dollar. Hallelujah. But Sabbath, Sabbath, as I looked up at the ceiling in church, there were holes in the ceiling. You see, as the former government soldiers had looted places, they also tried destroying. And they had just taken their weapons and but our people gathered that Sabbath and they sang from the heart. There was no piano. There was no organ. The organ sat there, but there was no electricity because as the government soldiers had retreated, they'd shot out all the transformers. They'd run their tanks over the water main so that the, the running water was two o'clock in the morning when the storm would come in from the ocean, we'd run out to the edge of the uh, roof and collect it in a, a bucket and run it over to the uh, five gallon drum that we had. Uh, you know, it was, it was not like today. Here we sit nice and warm with a good roof over our heads and electricity and lights and everything that blesses us. And yet that Sabbath, as they sang, 
I stood and cried. It was the most heavenly music I've ever heard. God's people praising God for what he had done for them. Ah, heaven. And then on my final trip out of the country, we heard of a pastor who had lost everything. And all he wanted was a Bible. That's all he wanted. And I happened to have one, very similar to what I carry today. I knew that I'd soon be back in the United States and it would be very easy for me to get a new Bible. It would take me some time to go through it and mark it like I usually do. But we, we searched out this pastor. And when I handed him God's word, the tears just started to roll from his eyes. I've never been hugged like that man hugged me that day. And he cried and cried and kissed God's word. And you know, we sat here safe today, but thousands of miles away we have Adventists who have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. Our university seminary in Ukraine last night had 150 refugees that they only had three days worth of food and no way to replenish. They were asking us to pray. that God would provide a miracle. In our Joshua Seventh-day Adventist church, we have a family from Ukraine. We have another family from Moldavia, and they are trying to get family members out to the United States. My friends, Please pray. Please pray. This morning's scripture is a familiar one, and you'll probably have it in your Sabbath school shortly. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.32 and what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David, and of Samuel, and the prophets. And goes on to list the many things that had happened in their lives. But today I want you to take 
and spend some time with me back in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 13. And we're going to look at a very familiar story. You probably all know it by heart. But you may not have looked at all the little details. Judges chapter 13 and verse 1 starts out, Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. You notice that. In fact, when you read the book of Judges, this is is the common saying. About every other chapter you find the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and then uh, proceeds to tell a story of a deliverer. Anyway, there was a certain man of Zoah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and had no children. Now, this is where I get a little upset with whoever wrote the book of Judges. Do you have any idea why I get upset? It says Manoah and his wife. What's her name? I want to know who she is. Because, you know, as I go on through this story... And it's an exciting story. The angel comes to visit her, and she runs to tell her husband about it. And they ask the angel to stick around while they get ready for a offering. And the angel does and accepts the offering and disappears. And, and I want you to look at this. Verse 22, Manoah said to his wife, We will surely die for we have seen God. Now I'm going to use the vernacular. And she says, You silly man. If God was wanting to destroy us, He wouldn't have accepted our offering. He'd have killed us already. She had more sense in her head than he did. Now, you know, I'm a man. I I recognize sometimes, uh, gentlemen, listen to the ladies. Sometimes they, you know... Just remember, you you should be the head of the house, but you better have a neck that can turn the head. And, And that was the case of Manoah and his wife. He needed the neck very, very badly. Anyway, you know, the Bible tells us the very next thing they say, she conceived and bore a son. Well, There was some nine months in there for that child to grow in her womb. You see, the Bible oftentimes shortcuts 
the stories. And you have to look at those stories and understand. And, and you know, oftentimes we do. We kind of just assume, oh, yeah, that's, that's what happened. But I think sometimes we need to look a little more carefully. Now, verse 24 says the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, and the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. Now, in growing up, what do you picture? What kind of image do you have in your mind? Where's Timna? Anybody know where Napa, California is? Pardon? Ah, wine country. Yes, I happen to go to Pacific Union College, which is just up on the mountain above Napa. And yes, we had to drive through the Napa Valley vineyards. And when it was grape time, the whole valley smelled like grapes. <sighs> now, can you imagine as a mother, you're carrying this child and you can't touch a grape? Now, that would be pure torture. She couldn't drink any grape juice. And she had to raise her child in the same manner. Now, the Bible says he grew. Well, let's say he's 10 years old. What do you see? Uh, I, I know we have some young fellas back here. Anybody here 10 years old, maybe 12 years old? Ah, we've got one. Okay. Uh, fellas, think about it. When you were young, and there were a group of fellas together, what'd you do? It, it, let's say you went into it an apple orchard. And it was time that apples were beginning to fill out on the trees. What did you do? Pardon? Whatever, you'll pick it. And little boys do what? What do they do when they find a rock? They throw it. When they pick a... They throw it, and they throw it at each other. And what would happen if you're in a grape vineyard and the grapes are on the vine? You're going to start a little war. Uh-huh. You see the picture? And then what happens when... One of your buddies finds out that you have never, 
ever tasted a grape. Can you see the picture? Oh, you're a chicken. You can't do it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my. My personal conviction is that sometime as a young person, Samson took a taste of the grape. And I think it probably was out in the vineyard playing with his buddies. We know that he had a a weakness towards women and towards the grapes. And I think that's where it began. We need to be very careful in our association. Because if he had been playing with the young people who recognized why he was being special and supported him in it instead of trying to make break him, his life would have been different. But needless to say, let's go on with the story. You know that, (laughs) well, he was a typical young man. As he went down to Timnon, what happened? He saw a beautiful lady. And obviously she wasn't in a burqa. Because he said, She pleases me. Dad, get her. I want her. And, of course, the parents did their best to try and persuade him not to. Now, young young boys, I'm asking a question here. How much do you think a, a lion ways. Anybody? How much does a lion weigh? Okay, there we go. Somebody hit it pretty close. 300, 350, maybe 450. Anybody here ready to pick up? 300 pounds? No. Anybody ready to stop 300 pounds hurtling at you? No. But you have Samson there. This lion jumps out at him. He grabs him by the scruff of the neck and says, enough of you. Now, it's hard to imagine anybody that strong. But Samson merely tossed 300 pounds over his shoulder. Came back a few days later to go to his wedding, and there was a beehive inside. 
Yeah, now, you, you kind of wrinkle your nose, but the honey was pure. It, it was okay. And of course, honey is pretty, pretty good to eat. Yeah, I like it. In fact, I have some in my uh, cupboard that some folk brought back from Montana where they, they've, it, it's honey that has been uh, collected from bees that have been with the, the, the huckleberries. And huckleberries are similar to blueberries, only a little smaller and a little sweeter. And oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Anyway, you know the, the story how um, Samson proposed the riddle and the young men that were with him went to his bride-to-be and says, we're going to burn you and your father's house down if you don't find out what this riddle is. And what did she do? What does the Bible say she did? Do you have any idea? Then it came about on the fourth day that they said to Sam Samson's wife, entice your husband so that he will tell us the riddle or we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Samson's wife wept before him, saying, you only hate me. You don't love me. <laughs> now, ladies, don't you ever do that. That's a javelin to a man's heart. And Samson couldn't resist. Well, you know the rest of the story and how upset he was. And that it led to him going out and catching 300 foxes. Anybody here ever caught a fox? No. Well, when we lived in Canada, our school teacher, by the way, congratulations that you have a school. I'm proud of you. Our, our school teacher lived next door to a man who raised foxes. And one night, somebody forgot to lock the foxes in and they did what foxes will do and decided to go investigating the neighborhood. Well, the next morning when I saw him, all up and down his arms, his hands, there were scratches and bites. You see, foxes have nice, sharp teeth. And they don't like to be caught. 
And Samson, Samson went out there and caught 300 of them and then tied them tails together. Yeah. Do you think those foxes were very happy with him? Not at all. And then when he stuck a firebrand between those tails and lit it and turned them loose, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Run like crazy because the tail's on fire. You'd run too. Yes. And it burned down the grain of the Philistines. Well, everybody asks, who did it? Who did it? Oh, uh, it, it's that guy, Samson. You know, his, um, his wife and father-in-law, his father-in-law gave his wife away and, and exactly what she was afraid of is exactly what happened. The Philistines, her own people came and burned her father and her house to the ground. And they invaded Judah. And they said, we have come for Samson. Now, you have your scriptures, your Bibles. And I, I hope you look at this very carefully because it's an important point. Judges chapter 15 and verse 11. Judges chapter 15 and verse 11, I'm glad to see some of you grabbed your phones. I'm glad to know that you have your Bibles on your phone. It's a good place to have them, especially since you can have multiple versions. That's wonderful. Anyway, verse 11, then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam and said to Samson, do you not know what the Philistine, that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? He said to them, as they did to me, so I've done to them. Yeah. So they came and they said, well, we're going to give you over to this, the Philistines. We're going to bind you. Samson says, okay, that's fine. On one condition. Promise. You won't kill me. Oh yeah, no, no. We'll let them do it. We'll kill you by proxy. We won't do it, but we're going to have them do it. We'll get rid of you one way or another. Uh -huh. And so, they took two brand new ropes and tied him up. And I'm sure that they made sure that it was good and tight. And then they marched him down into the camp of the Philistines. And I, I, I like this. Uh, when they came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted with joy as they met him. They were excited to see him. Can you see the picture? running towards him to get him. 
And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily so that the ropes on his arms burst as if they had been fire. Now, I don't know. You've seen some of these weightlifters that have muscles coming out everywhere. Have you ever seen one of them take and go like this and just literally split the shirt that he's wearing? The muscles just bust out so light. I saw that once, and I thought, ah, that's exactly what Samson was like. He had those muscles, and he just took a deep breath, and everything, yeah, it was gone like that. And the Bible says that he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. So he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men. Once again, you got to have a picture. Can you see him? Can you see Samson with a jawbone? By the way, how big is a jawbone of a donkey? Hmm? Oh, my. You've got a big donkey. You know, I, I actually had in, in one of my churches a lady that had a donkey, and so she could tell me that it was between 9 and 12 inches long. Now, can you imagine, can you see the picture of these Philistine soldiers with their spears, their swords, their daggers, rushing towards Samson, and all he has is maybe 12 inches of weapon. The jawbone. Only 12 inches long. And he starts to work. Do you see the picture? He knocks one guy in the head. He comes back and, and they're falling here and there what else what else do you see you see this is the part that most people miss they don't see the picture do you see the picture what is behind samson if Samson had taken the time to turn around, which he didn't do, there were 3,000 men back there. 3,000 men who knew how to use a sword, who knew how to use a spear and a dagger and whatever else. And what were they doing? Oh, go, Samson. You're doing a great job. Wow, Samson. Look at him go. Oh, wow. Now, I have a question for you. If one of those men had reached out and taken a sword from a fallen soldier and joined Samson 
what would have happened? Would there have only been a thousand slain? Not at all. If all 3,000 of those men had joined Samson, what would have happened? They'd have destroyed the enemy, completely freed themselves. But they stood and watched. They stood and watched. And we have to ask ourselves, do we just stand and watch when someone is doing something good? You know, the, this idea of reaching your neighborhood with steps to Christ. You're going to get responses. There are going to be people that say, I want that book. And what's going to happen? Is only our sister here going to be the one responding to that? You know, I came into what well, was my first district. The former pastor had been on the radio at five minutes to noon every day. And he always put a plug for Bible studies and asked people to respond if they wanted Bible studies. When I walked into the pastor's office, I found a stack of three hundred requests for Bible studies. Three hundred people had said, I want to know more. But the church was applauding the pastor. Oh, how wonderful it is. Everybody in the, the town knows him. Everybody listens to him. But they stood and watched. And I determined that the radio would take up too much time. And I needed to go through those names. And I found one lady there that had been waiting 20 years. 20 years. Can you imagine? No, you can't. Because, you know, this young lady, she's not even 20 years old yet. But waiting 20 years for a Seventh-day Adventist to knock on her door. She had been listening to the voice of prophecy, and she requested Bible studies, and nobody came. She had listened to the pastor at five minutes to noon, and she requested Bible studies, and nobody came. But oh, how proud they were of their pastor and the work he was doing. Standing and watching. My folk, it can be very easy to stand and watch. We can say, I don't know how to use that sword. I've never been trained to use a spear. But those excuses are just excuses. 
if God can bless Samson with a jawbone, can't he impress you with what to do? Is he not powerful enough to give you the tool that you need? Isn't he capable? Or is your God too small? You see, we like to have heroes. But God calls each of us to be hero. To do what we can. And I can tell you for sure that God is going to use you if you say, use me. You see, when I went to visit this lady, we started Bible studies. And of course, it was the easiest Bible studies I've ever given. She had listened to all the truths. She knew the truth. She just flew through them. But one day when I knocked on her door, she was sad. And she said, Pastor, I can't go on. The Holy Spirit spoke and said, get in the door. So I invited myself in. I said, dear sister, you know this is truth. You've loved it. What's the problem? She says, well, my pastor has visited and if I change churches, I'll be committing adultery, and I can't do that. I'd never heard of this before. <laughs> I had no idea what she was talking about. But evidently, and I learned later from her, that when she had joined the church, she had taken marriage vows. She loved the Lord so much that she would not break her vow. But my friends, if you're listening, the Holy Spirit can speak through you and to you. And something came to my mind. I said, dear sister, who did you marry? Did you marry the church or the head of the church? She lit up like a candle. And she said, I'm following Jesus. We had the privilege of baptizing that dear lady. My friends, I have to ask one question of you. Are you a Samson or are you a watcher? Oh, Father, I speak for each individual here. Give us the strength to stand like the brave, 
not to be watchers, but doers. In Jesus' name, amen.